What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode seven of the Pure Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Patterson. You can follow me on Twitter at Paul Patterson FF. And I'm joined today by my friend Wyatt from JWB. You can follow him on Twitter at WyattB underscore FF. Today, we're going to be following up a little bit on the running back discussion from last week's show with Jagger May. Uh, give you some buys and sells at the position. And then we're going to dive into this pool of free agent wide receivers. Uh, do you see what I did there, Wyatt? Did you appreciate I, that pun? I did. I did very much. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit beforehand that recovering. Uh, we're both on, on maybe different ends of the spectrum of being sick at this point. But uh, Dynasty doesn't stop. So here we are. No, there is no off season. It doesn't matter if we're if we're sick. Doesn't matter where we are, what's going on. There's always something to talk about. Right now, obviously, the prospecting stuff is huge. I'm still working my way through that. So I've been yeah. kind of saving those topics for maybe some upcoming shows, get some combine stuff soon in the next uh, two weeks or so. Um, but free agency is also coming in a few weeks. And oh, yeah. A lot of interesting names that are not under contract right now. We went through the running backs with Jagger last week. Um, so we're going to pick up there and just broadly speaking, address some maybe buys and sells the position, how we can get ahead of free agency, maybe make some predictions on how backfields are going to shake out and then we can benefit from that. Um, and then afterward, we will discuss the wide receivers as well. Not as deep of a wide receiver class of free agents, but um, but still several interesting names that could potentially land on new teams. So we're just going to do one buy, one sell each. And I'm going to kick to you first. We can start on the buy side of things. Is there sure. a running back right now that you're looking to buy in your leagues? Well, so like I hate to give the somewhat broad answer, but it is true because this is like the first time I would say that I've ever like said this at this point in the year. It seems almost blasphemous to say that these like veteran running backs are buys at this point. It's almost always like do not buy running backs like <laughs> very early in the spring or right before the spring because so much could happen before the season comes. But with the how bad the incoming draft class of running backs looks, where we're like hoping one goes in round two, we yeah. might get Jonathan Brooks in round two, you know, and like maybe we'll get a couple more in round three. I think that a lot of these free agent running backs, these veterans that have, you know, been our running backs of years past that often get forget about at this point in their like their life cycle are are still going to be relevant because of that. And they're likely to either find jobs back with their old teams or possibly new teams like Josh Jacobs would not surprise me at all if he goes back to the Raiders in some fashion, because I think Antonio Pierce would just really like to keep that consistent for himself. You know, mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Derek, like Derek Henry is going to be moving on. He already gave his farewell speech, but he seems like he's got something left in the tank. Um, like Tony Pollard, we could talk about like how I mean, we all missed on Tony Pollard, right? But um, I I think he's probably still got a little bit of something left. I think maybe he just shouldn't get the kind of workload he got in Dallas last year, but I think he could still be effective if he goes down to that workload he had the year prior. So, like, I don't want to say just straight up buy them, but I think that you should at least be knocking on the doors of these mm -hmm. man of the managers of these running backs. Saquon Barkley, another one, a, a really good one, actually. I think, even though, like, I think Saquon Barkley is somewhat of a shell of him for former self, he's still a shell of former Saquon, still pretty good. And he's a running back who can handle a really large workload. Uh, I re I really want him to end up on the Texans. I think that's just like the perfect spot, and that would be yeah, wonderful. That was I my just, call last week. That's that's yeah. my number one my number one dream landing spot. Yeah, I mean, and, and if that happens, perfect, right? I mean, if that happens, I'm going to be 
kind of upset at my current Saquon Barkley exposure. So I might have to go out. Yeah, and, I feel and the make same some way. Trades. Yeah. But like I've seen people ask me, like in, in our Discord, like I've seen people ask about trades with these running backs. And every time like I see one come across, I'm like, yeah, that looks like a good price. Like you're you're seeing like late seconds for like Derrick Henry. Like I think if you can get another season out of Derrick Henry, like a late second is probably worth it if you're trying to compete next year. I mean, obviously you're not really trading for these running backs if you're just like a teardown, if you're like not playing on competing in the next year. But if you are, like I would at least be knocking on the door just to see what the actual cost is. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And they they are very acquirable. It's going to vary from league to league, but there are a lot of managers that are going to be afraid that their running backs are going to get Dalvin cooked. And uh, and and some of them probably will. But on the whole, I, I think you're right that most of these guys are going to find jobs. They're, they're probably going to get solid volume. And the rest of the position is so weak that it's really not a leap to say that a lot of these players are going to be your your RB twos again. You know, James Conner, Aaron Jones, those types in that age. I know they're not free agents, but guys in that ra- that age range yeah. are probably going to slot in and be very appealing. And there are a lot of managers right now that are unnecessarily dis- deciding that now is the time they need to rebuild their team. Or like, well, you know, I I made my run last year. Guys are getting kind of old. I guess it's time to tear it down. I don't I don't really play that way. I try to keep my options open. Um, stay flexible throughout the summer so i'm more on the opinion of like i don't know if this team has it but i'll go make some low risk trades for some of these running backs and then i have flexibility they all survive free agency in the draft now i do have a contender right like i've built this cheap contender so i think you can actually work against the market like that um, especially with these cheaper free agents and I, I definitely like that call it's a it's a good point too about just like staying open to your like upcoming season just in general like yeah not even necessarily when it comes to running backs just because i mean there's just like you don't know what's going to happen in a lot of these scenarios like it's it's quite often do i ever think or quite rarely do i ever think that like you need to do a full teardown i think a lot of time it's just like retooling like a couple years ago when cooper cup had his amazing season and debo samuel was like wide receiver three like people were not expecting those kinds of seasons out of them. Like pe- right. there were rosters who had those sitting on their, on their, uh, you know, in their, in their lineup, not really expecting to be competing. And then all of a sudden, like when those things happen, you know, all of a sudden you go from just a middling team or a, a bottom dweller to, yeah, you could be competing. Yeah. I have an example where I, I mean, I had a team where I was fully in on the productive struggle year one. I didn't expect to compete. I was like, I'm going for Caleb in this league. And honestly, I should have pivoted more quickly and started trying to buy some pieces because I had um, I had Brian Robinson, I had Sam Howell, I had Jaden mm-hmm. Reed, I had Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and like all of these young guys or these guys I wasn't really expecting anything from all outperformed expectations. If I hadn't sold Tank Dell off for a 25 second uh, early in Oof. the season, I, I would have been really cooking. And, yeah. you know, this was a team that I really didn't expect to do anything. So I ended up middle of the pack kind of, I couldn't get down to the one-on-one because I was scoring too many points. But but if I had just early in the season, you know, gone out and bought some running backs and, you know, whatever, filled things out, it, it could have been a different year. So I do think staying flexible is a good idea. It doesn't mean taking on tons of unnecessary risk, but like you said, with the late seconds, the, the cost of admission on these, a lot of these free agent running backs is not high. And I don't think the risk overall is that high like maybe you find someone like you know one of these free agents like a deandre swift or an austin eckler doesn't land in a 
an advantageous spot and, and maybe they end up in a timeshare or something. Sure, you lose that one trade. But if you stick if you stick big picture, I think it, it on the whole you're going to come out ahead. My my buy is actually a running back that's not currently a free agent. I I don't think that he will hit free agency. I'm, I'm expecting that the team's gonna maybe rework his contract and keep him around. That's Aaron Jones. He's right now 29, which is not the age you really really want your running backs to be. But he's currently valued at RB 31. Uh, the ADP I'm using, by the way, comes from DynastyDataLab.com, which is the new website that Adaiko just dropped. Analyst over at Bulletproof does great stuff over on Twitter. Um, that's the ADP I'll be citing from from now on because it pulls directly from sleeper drafts and it's actually filtered uh, in such a way by Adaiko to remove like drafts that aren't real or aren't legit. So it's it's basically the best ADP you can get. And um, so this so far this offseason, we've got Jones at RB31 going into the last pick of the 11th round. I think at that price, you know, cheaper than all the other veterans that we've talked about so far, I think that's very appealing because I'd expect him to return to Green Bay. He looked great during their playoff run. As far as I'm concerned, he's less washed than any of these guys. He was the eighth-ranked uh, rusher per PFF this past season. He's just dealt with a couple of injuries, but I think that, a healthy Aaron Jones is still like a high end RB two, especially in that offense that looks to be ascending at the moment. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he falls right in line with like the free agent running backs. Just he's just not a free agent, but he's you know the same type of player like they were talking about. Where this is the type of running back that normally gets like pushed down rankings at this point in the year. Yeah, and I mean he just just the eye test too. Like he still looks like Aaron Jones. Um, and if you just look at the, the like the numbers for this past year, yeah, it doesn't look that great because of the injuries, as you said. But towards the end of the season, when he was back to being fully healthy, he looked really good. He was producing into the playoffs, was really productive, uh, looks to be a big part of the offense. You know, yeah. uh, I definitely think that he's going to stay there and be a big part of helping Jordan Love, you know, continue to build on his season. Dude scored three touchdowns in a playoff game last month, and he still can't get any respect. In the <laughs> can't get any love. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, he. I mean, he's basically valued around a late second. Uh, Jahan Dotson is ahead of him. Kendra, <laughs> I'll do that in a second. <laughs> Kendra Miller is right after him. Like, this is not a a high barrier of entry to to really solidify like an RB two slot on your roster. So I think that's pretty appealing. On the other side of the coin, we have the running backs that we are selling, maybe just overvalued right now, maybe too much risk. Who's a guy for you that you might be looking to get out on? Maybe you could turn him into one of these other guys that you're interested in. Yeah, so my sell is Tajay Spears. Um, like the player, hate the cost at this point. as just kind of like rocketed up since the season's ended. Which, yeah, I don't know, is a little bit surprising how much it's come up because it's like, I don't know, like what, do, what everybody was thinking, like what's going to happen. Like this this trajectory of what's happening with the Titans backfield seems like exactly what we were expecting, yeah. you know, even when Tajay Spears was drafted. Obviously, he should rise. I just don't know if, like, I agree with him getting up to, what, like, RB15-ish now when you, like, pull where you're going. I'm, yes, I'm looking at um, RB15, yeah, he's RB15 uh, 705, like yep, 705 overall. Yeah, and basically just the concern is that I don't know if they'll just give him the full backfield. And that could be okay because he is a very good receiving back. And like, if he gets 80 targets next year, like he'll probably be fine at, you know, he'll probably still yeah. produce as a mid RB two or whatever. But then we also have to consider like, this is a Will Levis led Titans offense with like n really no offensive talent to speak of outside of a aging Deandre Hopkins. Like 
how good would this offense be? Like how, how many, how often will be they be in scoring position? I'm just worried that if he doesn't get the full workload in Tennessee, he will not be able to meet expectations at this point. And yeah. I doubt that they do give him the full workload. Um, he is still, you know, just a 5'10", 200 pound running back. I, I don't and like I, I have a feeling that Tennessee was going to add someone to compliment him. And like I said, he could still be fine on that. Like, I think it's probably best for Tajay Spears if he's closer to like 13, 14, 15 t- opportunities a game, as long right. as a lot of those are through the air. Uh, he can still be fine on that. It's just I think that he's got up too far that the expectations for him are so high at this point that I'm not really interested in yeah. that cost. And I'd be trying to like tear down to somebody else from Tajay Spears, like mm-hmm. maybe Ramondre Stevenson in a plus. Uh, I could see like Javante if you still think like he could get the volume. Um, honestly, the, a lot of these vet running backs that we've been talking about getting like a second on top of any of those ones for Tajay Spears is something I'm interested in just because I think like you're going to produce at the same level that Tajay will next year. You get the second right. as essentially a reroll on Tajay. And I'm only looking at running backs in the like one to two year window anyways. Yeah. So it's tough with, with Spears um, because in terms of ranking, I don't think I have any issue with where he's ranked amongst running backs. It's just so, vacant it's it's such a wasteland yeah, and there's not like a lot of the young talent <laughs> um he's going he's right behind pacheco and jacobs he's ahead of javante swift Ramondre. um and to me that feels fine but it but it like you said tearing down feels safer it feels like it feels like you're not risking that much and i guess the risk is like what if he is the guy and he's 22 years old and they do give him all the work and i i guess that that's a downside he does seem a lot like Rashad White to me from last year, where he split sure. with a vet, he split with a veteran back, got a lot of the pass catching work. Veteran leaves. There's a very volatile offense. You know, last year it was Tom Brady leaves, and now it's okay. We got Baker Mayfield. How good is this offense going to be? Do we even want Rashad White as the workhorse on this offense? It feels very similar, and that's not to say that every situation like that is going to work out the way that it did for Rashad White. Um, but I do think that Spears is a good player seventh in uh, PFF receiving grade 18th ranked running back overall. He doesn't turn 23 until June. So I see the, I see the upside there. I think in most cases where I have him, I still would be looking to tear down if I can pick up a nice piece or I would be pivoting to some like other positional assets. Cause he's being drafted right next to like Devonte Adams, uh, the one Oh nine. Those are pieces where I think I'd, I'd feel better with a piece of that value. Like, in that same value range, I'd rather just have the wide receiver or the pick. Um, but I definitely see a path for this working out for Spears. So I get where people are at. I just think think they're excited. Yeah, I, the comparison to Rashad White is is really good, actually. Uh, I think that's really smart. to, to like That is the bull case for, I think, for what can happen, even if, like, uh, the offense isn't quite, like, like looking forward, you know, we expect the offense to not be good. But it can, we can see how it could be better, you know, if Will Levis is just, like, adequate and he checks mm. down enough to Tajay Spears. Like the bull case is absolutely there. I guess like I'm not confident enough in that happening to to bet on that at the cost. Yeah, and if I had to guess, I, I don't remember the ADP from last year, but I'm pretty sure Rashad White was going a decent bit later. I think you you could get him in the eighth, ninth round this time last year. So it's like it feels like that archetype of running back is being a little bit priced up, and I think that's partly because of the success that we saw this past season from Isaiah Pacheco and Rashad white. And I guess sort of James cook to an extent 
And then also these older running backs getting pushed down just because they're another year closer to being out. So it's just a weird time with running back where it's very top heavy. And then there's all these veterans that nobody really wants to touch in the middle rounds. Well, yeah, and, and just to speak to like expectations for this year, and it's obviously not the same, but you know, it helps speaks to what people think will happen this year is like an underdog. Yeah. Uh, currently Tajay Spears is going higher than Rashad white was last year. If we're going to compare the two. So like, I mean, Tajay Spears is, uh, a beginning of the sixth round pick right now. So yeah. he's someone who's like climbing, you know? Uh, so he, he, they're definitely heavy expectations being set on him. Yeah. And I actually don't mind his price on underdog. I've been picking him as my first running back in some builds. Not that oh, this is, oh, I've done it too. Yeah. <laughs> not sure. to derail this is a best ball show, but man, right there in that, those middle rounds, it's like, there, there are no wide receivers I want to click, and it's all running backs. It's like I could literally just build a running back room. Yes, like Tyson Spears, exactly Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Brian Robinson, Jalen Warren. Okay, we're set. Like that's yes. my five running backs. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think you make good points there with Spears. I wouldn't. I, I personally wouldn't consider him like a must sell there, but I think there are some very solid pivot options, and um, and definitely some downside as well. They, they could very easily bring in another competent running back to uh to take some of the groundwork from him my cell is going to be deandre swift who is currently going one round after spears rb 17 per the sleeper adp i just don't see it with swift anymore he's 25 we we cannot find this this a promised season of upside like it's just it's all a mirage with deandre swift it's just not there He's currently a free agent, as we pointed out. So we don't even know what offense he's attached to. He's a very flawed player. So he needs to be put into a situation where it's just, it's like exactly perfect for him. And it's not even like, oh, you need a team that passes to running backs because no team has ever let him play third downs. They don't let him play two minute drill. Like he has to be on a team that is aiming to scheme up targets on first and second down to the running back. It's like a very specific thing. And I'm just not buying that he's going to find himself in a position to get the kind of volume he's going to need for that. So I I'm fading him beyond that. I've got him, I think like 22 or 23 in my running back ranks. I've got him a couple of rounds below his current ADP. Um, I just want no part of him at this price. I love it. Um, when, when you put this on the sheet, there's like, I made sure to not say anything about him when I was talking about free agent running backs as buys, because I was going to say like, when I put it there, like one of the things I was going to say was accept Deandre Swift. Uh, so when you wrote it in, I was like, okay, I'm, I'll just let you, know, you do your thing first. But yeah, no, I, I like completely agree. I would, um, especially because like he's being priced one of the highest out of all of these running backs that like yeah. the free agent running backs, but he's one of the ones that I have the least confidence in the role he might get in free agency. Like you think about Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, right? Like these are running backs. Like you'd expect them to sign somewhere and get a large workload. DeAndre Swift, I I don't have confidence in that can happen. Every time that he's been given a large workload, he's been worse. Um, like last year, he had the most carries he's ever had. He was kind of mediocre, <laughs> you know. Like yeah, didn't actually just, produce that much. He's being valued higher because he's younger. But when you're not that good of a running back, it just doesn't matter. Like your age. Yeah. The age only gets you so far. If you're not good enough for a team to give you the touches, then guess what? Your peak is a lot earlier than, you know, 26 and a half or whatever. Yeah. So there's no guarantee he's going to be getting any kind of workload now. I would just rather have the running backs that are older, but are more likely to give me a good season this season. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I completely like it. He might he might find himself in a role next next year where like a team is going to use him as a receiver, you know, on first and second down, like you mentioned, because he does not play third downs. That is yeah. absolutely correct. Um, but like he might be like a low end RB two on you know uh, a little bit lower volume, and like that's fine, but like not the cost that you have to pay for him. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, he's going just after the one twelve, so you know I I'm not touching him with first round value i would sell him for the 112 or the 201 or the 202 so fast it would make your head spin so i have no yeah i have no interest in that just recap there we're buying the free agent running backs that are not named deandre swift we're buying aaron jones wyatt is selling ty j spears i'm i'm a soft sell i'm i'm i'm, I'm there i'm in the, the zone there and then i'm also selling the heck out of deandre swift and, and wyatt seconds that as well so those are our, kind of our running back takes heading into free agency we'll see in a couple of weeks how silly all that stuff looks um hopefully hopefully it pans out as we expect and then we have a little bonus here to the buy sell segment because when i first put the show sheet in why well, i didn't see that it said running backs and so he initially put trevor lawrence in as a sell and i wanted to get a running back in there just to to go with the theme of the show, but I still wanted to hear about Trevor Lawrence as a sell because I don't, I don't personally view him that way. So I would like to hear the case from Wyatt as to why Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback is a sell. <laughs> yeah. Boy, did I feel dumb when you're like, Hey, can you put a ring back? And I checked the sheet and I was like, Oh yeah, it's all good. One idiot. Um, but anyways, it's at some point we have to stop making excuses for Trevor Lawrence. Um, like obviously you could throw the first year out um, with urban Meyer. Like I, obviously, but then after that, he's had like, I don't know, seven games, including the playoffs of like the quarterback play we wanted from him. And other than that, it's been kind of mediocre, but he's still like in this Sadaiko ADP, he's QB nine, right? I, I don't know if I can get behind that kind of a price for a QB who scored 16.4 points per game last year. You know, it's just, we have to readjust expectations, I think, for Trevor Lawrence. Like, I, don't, I just don't know if that top five QB season is ever going to be in him. I don't know how much longer we can make those excuses. He could still be like a low-end QB1. Like, that's fine. But if that's the case, why is he being valued over uh, the players behind him? You know, like, Brock Purdy at this point is just outscoring Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he like, I think Justin Fields has a better chance at scoring fantasy points than Trevor Lawrence just because of his rushing floor. I like Dak Prescott to score more fantasy points than Trevor Lawrence. And these are all QBs within the same like window of time that we can rely on them. So I just don't, and like Kyler Murray, I mean, come on, that one's just an easy, he's going after Trevor Lawrence in this yeah. ADP Jordan love, even who like, I know that neither of us would like Jordan love prior to the season, but uh, I, I'm starting to believe in Jordan love a good bit. And just like based on what he was able to do, he's was already better than Trevor mm -hmm. Lawrence has already ever been. You know, his first full season as a starter scoring fantasy point. So I just, we just have to stop making excuses, yeah. I think, for Trevor Lawrence at this point. So you started off by saying, I don't know how much longer we can make excuses for Trevor Lawrence. I have the answer for you. It's one more offseason. That's how, <laughs> that's how much longer I have. I have excuses galore for my boy Trevor Lawrence here. Um, so I will say I agree with you that Kyler Murray should be ahead of him. He is going two spots behind him in startup ADP. I'm way higher than that on Kyler. I have Kyler as a first round startup pick. I don't I don't really. As he should be. I don't really get why there's still the Kyler hate. I think once they draft Marvin Harrison Jr., that's going to correct itself. But I just, I, I just have no words for the Kyler hate. It's ridiculous. Like the guy was already basically a QB one coming off of an ACL tear in the middle of the season. We've been and fighting this good fight for a while. 
yeah and i will never stop i wish yeah. i could buy more kyler i literally have 50 percent exposure in dynasty <laughs> like i can't i can't buy any more shares but oh, i'll be holding on to the ones that i have until until the public sees but those other quarterbacks specifically purdy i i i take great issue with purdy and lawrence in the same discussion now you you basically implied that you would prefer Purdy. I think that's I think that's a hot take, and I don't think that you would actually. I don't think you actually would prefer Purdy. And I, I have Purdy one spot be, uh, behind. Lawrence. Okay, but okay. I'm just bringing it up as it's an actual talking point. Yeah, that's still hot, but I but uh, yeah, I hear you. Um, it's so being so a talking point is hot. No, no, no. Just having okay. him back okay. to back, but I, I think it's. I don't okay. think it's that hot relative to the consensus. Although I'm kind of surprised. By the ADP, I would have expected Purdy to, to have crept up a little higher. He's 305 right now, so he's still going a full round behind Lawrence. I, that surprises me. I mean, I'm proud of the public because I think that's correct, but I, I am surprised. So my case with, with Lawrence, he was 12th in PFF's expected points per game this past season, 11th if you take out Joe Flacco, who played four or five games. Um, he was 0.1 expected points behind Jordan Love. So he was a, he was low in QB1 in terms of expected points. He did deal with multiple injuries over the course of the season. Like I think he left three different games early, but he didn't miss any starts. So he missed some snaps. He was playing through injury. Um, one of those injuries at least was to his ankle. So you could, you know, maybe that affected his mobility. I don't know. Um, and then the other thing I keep coming back to is this tweet from Ian Harditz that he put out shortly after the season best and worst supporting casts in terms of average PFF rush receiving pass blocking and run blocking grades. So everything except quarterback passing, the Jaguars ranked 30th in that. So everybody talks about the, Oh, he had the supporting cast. He can't succeed with the supporting cast. Well, his supporting cast looked great on paper. It sucked in reality. He was 15th among all quarterbacks in PFF grades. So he was basically the only piece of the offense that was trying, you know, that was elevating at all. Um, so I, I'm still willing. I saw enough from him, you know, in in flashes that I'm willing to write this off as like they tried to build a dream team around him. It didn't work. He fought through injuries the whole year. He still should have been a low end QB one in terms of his expected points. So his his ADP is okay with me. Put Kyler ahead of him, but I think early to mid second round in startups, I, I'm still comfortable there. I, I've seen the 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 stat about his supporting cast. And the fun thing about that one is that is going to be a supporting cast again next year. <laughs> hey, so, he, might, he might lose Calvin Ridley. That could be a plus. <laughs> that may be good. Losing Calvin <laughs> Ridley might be good because he did like, I don't know, cost Trevor Lawrence like three or four touchdowns this year. I'll give him that. Yeah. But you're right. Like the expected points is a low end QB one, which is like what I was saying. Like, I think that that's what he's going to be. And that's fine. I just, if that's the case, like give me the QBs that have like top five in their range of outcomes, I think, or at least more achievable for them, uh, which like I think Brock are some of these Purdy? I didn't, well, I said <laughs> some of them, like Kyler Murray, Jordan Love, yeah. Dak Prescott, yeah. Justin Fields, I think all, I, to me, so, have a better chance of being a top five. So so what is it about Jordan Love? Is it just the, the offensive environment that he's in? Because I see them very similarly. I have them back to back. I see them very similarly in terms of their range of outcomes. Um, Lawrence is actually the more mobile of the two. So what is it for you that gives you more confidence in love ceiling? Uh, well, one is just actual like watching them play. I just watching Jordan Love sure. do the unthinkable in a lot of <laughs> places, you know, uh, things that I never thought he could do. Right. Made me a little bit into a believer, but it is, you know, the supporting cast, everyone on around him being in their first or second year and them being able to grow together. It is that like first year as a starter. Yes, I know older. First year yeah. of seeing action for an entire season, and he was 
very good as a fantasy scorer. Obviously, like the first half of the season was up and down when it came mm-hmm. to actual play, but the fantasy points were always there and towards the end of the season was just playing absolute lights out. It just basically like I saw a higher level from Jordan Love than I've seen from Trevor Lawrence at any point. So yeah, I'm going I mean, to keep that on great. those kind of continuing. Yeah, I mean, I took my I had to take my lumps with with Love and move him way up, and and I've got it like I said back to back with Lawrence. I see them very similarly. I don't have any doubts anymore about Love's uh, ability, and I definitely agree with you on Kyler having the higher ceiling. I agree with you on Fields also. Yeah, definitely has the higher ceiling. For me, I think just the uncertainty of his career trajectory. Yeah, it's it's just there's enough of a gap there for me where it's not really yeah. a discussion. I have even those though, two back to back, so like yeah. that is that one is close. Like if you guarantee me Fields is a starter for 2024, I'll project him to score more points. I, like that makes perfect right. sense. But it's just how many more years of that do we get? And so for me, I'm comfortable with with Lawrence ahead of him. So I think I've got it, Kyler, and then Lawrence, Love, Dak, Purdy. I think is how I have it. And and Purdy for me, I I just I know that the 49ers offense is going to be efficient, but five points per game over expected is yeah. outrageous. I think that's going to come down. I think he's the guy that is going to be more in that 16, 16 and a half points per game um, in the future. And I think that that's valuable for what it is because it's safe and he's still going to have ceiling weeks. But I think that what we saw this year is just borderline unrepeatable. Yeah. And that is why I have Purdy still a spot behind Lawrence. Uh, yeah. It's just is because like, okay, Purdy ha- now has the one full year of being better than, um, Trevor Lawrence. So if yeah. it continues, then you know that they're gonna have to end up flipping for me. But I don't have it that way. Yeah. And you and you make a good point. I mean, the, the supporting cast for Lawrence probably isn't gonna change much. Maybe they can reinforce the offensive line. That would definitely help. You know, maybe they they sign another weapon or draft another weapon. You, I'm not really sure what's what's gonna happen, but I think they know that there's some issue in that offense they need to address. So hopefully they do something. The last report I saw is that Calvin Ridley was that they were pushing hard to keep Calvin Ridley in Jacksonville, which I guess we can use to kind of segue into our main segment here on the free agent wide receiver class. uh, One of which is Calvin Ridley. The other big names are Mike Evans, T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Marquise Brown. And then you've also got Gabe Davis, Curtis Samuel, Tyler Boyd, Odell Beckham Jr. I I wasn't going to let Gabe sneak into that first group. I had to make sure we had a little, put a little barrier between them. But, uh, but the most recent news on these guys Higgins, Pittman, and Ridley seem more likely to stay in, in town than to move on, just per the most recent reports, while Mike Evans and Gabe Davis are seem to be leaning towards moving on. But what are your, your initial thoughts here about this class of free agent wide receivers? I think that it's going to be a lot less exciting pretty soon when franchise tags start to happen. Uh, yeah. Because I think you know Pittman and, and Higgins are very obvious tag candidates if they don't get a long-term deal. Uh, figured out. I think Pittman's eventually going to get a long-term deal, whether he gets tagged or not. Um, they just have too much cap space to let him not just, you know, not lock him up. Um, T Higgins, obviously like big deal for the Bengals. I don't think they want to let him go. So they'll probably end up just tagging him. Um, Ridley, as you said, good chance to return. Although like they have to pay a second, that trade becomes a second round pick if it's, if he stays. And that is a pretty good price for Ridley, who was probably worse than, we thought he was going to be after the start of the season. Like, I think, you know, going into the season, you could say a lot of different, you know, large range of outcomes, but the way he started the season, I thought he was going to be in really work out for them, but didn't finish that way. Mike Evans. I see. I tend to think Mike Evans wants to finish his career in Tampa Bay. It may just be because 
some team is going to throw a good amount of money his way that Tampa Bay is not willing to do that he might leave. Or if maybe if uh, Baker Mayfield finds his way to a different team and Mike Evans doesn't want to return to an unknown QB, I could see that yeah. happening. But I like I at least think the Bucks should find a way to keep Baker at a reasonable contract and bring Mike Evans back because um, I don't know what they're doing otherwise. And they, it puts that roster in a really weird position if they just like let those both walk because they have like the like kind of a win now team outside of that. They're just like not quite good enough to actually win now, but they're definitely not a young yeah. team, you know? No, they're a mess. They're a mess. <laughs> I mean, I, I my instinct this whole offseason has been that they're going to keep Baker and Evans and they're just going to try and fail to yeah. run it back. And they're right. going to, you know, they're going to give it their all. They're very much the Andy Dalton, AJ Green Bengals right now. Just like, yeah. so they need the to duct tape this thing together. That's the thing that like people don't want to fully realize. Cause like, as well, like on the outside, we can easily look at that team and be like, what are you even doing? Just like tear it down and try again. Like this isn't going anywhere, but like yeah. man, like ownership is like, we could get a division title. Like that sells tickets. Like we're yeah. trying to make money. So Teams will still just like run it back for nine and eight and hope to win the division, you know, because they the, that's what the ownership wants. Yeah, um, and it's still a very weak division. So, yeah, I uh, I do think that they're going to try to run it back. I still my still gut instinct is that Evan stays in Tampa Bay. He's just like the whole heart and soul of the team. He's got this whole like thousand yard season record, and I don't know. It just seems weird if they just let him leave on that. Like I, I feel like he's got to be a, a Buccaneer for life, but. Who's to say? I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do think Higgins and Pittman are both going to get tagged. No idea about the rest of these guys. Yeah, it's, the, the rest, the rest, I think, are moving on basically. Yeah, for the most part, which is cool because then we get to talk about where they might go and we get to speculate on what their value is going to be and and how the other wide receivers are going to get shuffled around. So before we get into any of these other guys too specifically, let's just talk about kind of the landscape. Where are the destinations that we actually like? Uh, because last week with running backs, it's very obvious. It, it, you've just got these teams where it's like these these big green arrows just pointing you right to the empty backfields. Like, oh, the Giants only have Eric Gray under contract. There's a backfield. Like the the Eagles only have uh, Kenny Gainwell under contract. There's a backfield. But with wide receiver, it's trickier. You've got to account for the quarterback. You've got to account for the system. All these teams have some talent you know some kind of pass catchers in the mix so it's not as clear cut and for years we've been looking for you know when are the chiefs and the bills going to sign somebody i don't even know if the bills are a good spot anymore so <laughs> you know where are the good where are the good teams yeah i mean the obvious ones are the bills and the chiefs who have the two best qbs in the league and have a right. need for a wide receiver i think like that's we don't even have to really say other, anything other than that but after that I mean, there's teams like I think the Browns should honestly think about signing a wide receiver. Um, Baltimore, I think, is a spot that needs a wide receiver, but that's a spot that's probably hard to get wide receiver, like any of the high-priced free agents to actually go to that team just because of like Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, how much yeah. passing is there? I mean, um, I'm not I'm not excited for that landing spot, like for <laughs> from a fantasy perspective. I think the Chargers should be thinking about it because I think they should let Mike uh, Mike Williams go and Keenan Allen's, you know, towards the end of his career. Uh, um, they have Quentin Johnson. Yeah, Quentin Johnson uh, is absolute <laughs> trash. Uh, <laughs> so, oh, sorry, I meant to say uh, I meant to say they have Alec Erickson. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely th- like. I mean, that's just one that's been like for years now, right? That they've needed to try and reload. They finally took a swing last year, and it did not work out at all for yeah. them. Uh, 
Tennessee should, but like, I don't know how much you can really get like a wide receiver to really come to Tennessee. I'm surprised they were able to get DeAndre Hopkins to sign the contract he did with them. Now it is important to note the Titans have a boatload of money. They've got like, they've got like most cap space in the league, second most cap space. So they could throw a bag at somebody. I know there were T Higgins rumors a couple, like a month ago. Um, That's probably not going to happen, but they could sign somebody to go with Levis if they really want to try and help out his development. Yeah, and then basically, like, I mean, I'll, I'll mention Arizona real quick because Marquis, I do think Marquise Brown's going to move on. Uh, that didn't didn't really work too much this last year, and they're gonna they're gonna have a hole even with drafting likely Marvin Harrison. There's they still have a hole there, I would say. But then, like after that, it's just the young QBs. Anywhere that has a, a like second year or first year QB, it should always be in the business of signing wide receivers, trying to get as much around their QBs as possible. Even Houston, sure. even with Tank Dell and Nico Collins, uh, like they should, they should think about it because they just want to put as much around their young QB as possible. Obviously the Panthers need as much as they can get to put around Bryce Young. That's another one though. Like they might have some trouble convincing some wide receivers to go sign there and they might have to try and pony up uh, some serious money to get that to happen. Yeah, the Panthers are interesting because they are in on one in one sense the quickest path to just consolidating a massive target share, and in another sense, an incredibly unattractive landing spot. Like I, just, <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. Yeah. I have no, I have no faith. I mean, Dave Canales, maybe he can work his magic one more time and, and fix another quarterback. Because like, if Bryce Young becomes the Bryce Young that people were hoping, like that is a smash spot for a wide receiver. There's nothing yeah. there to challenge for targets. And so maybe we should be rooting for them to, to grab one of these guys. Um, I, I definitely think the Cardinals, the chargers, those are spots where you're seeing wide receivers mocked in the NFL draft. So maybe they go that route. Maybe they go, maybe they sign a veteran too. Um, they definitely need help. I, I, and I'd be very excited for any wide receiver to go be Kyler Murray's number one. If they sign with Kyler Murray and then immediately get, knock down the pecking order by Marvin Harrison Jr. That's going to be less fun for them, but there are targets. But with Trey McBride there too, it's like, it's going to get yeah. crowded quick. Um, so maybe not, maybe not the number one, you know, best spot, but it, honestly, a lot of the teams that are good landing spots are the ones that are losing wide receivers. Like if the Bengals lose T Higgins, that's a great spot. If the Colts lose Pittman, that's a great spot. Right. If the Jaguars lose Ridley, that's a great spot. So, you know, it's going to depend on who, maybe some of these guys just get shuffled around to new, new locations. Um, the only one that you didn't mention that I think is kind of interesting is the Cowboys. I oh think, yeah, that is a good one. I mean, for high passing volume, CD lamb had about 300 targets last year. They can move some of that around. Um, I don't, I'm not a huge Jake Ferguson believer. Like I think he's good, but I don't, he's not the kind of guy that I think actually would preclude a legitimate wide receiver from earning volume. I actually think I'm going to, I was going to save this for later, but just since we're on it, I think Calvin Ridley to the Cowboys would actually be like a perfect skill fit because lamb obviously dominates so much inside Ridley's a good outside receiver. I feel like there'd be enough volume to go around for both of them. This is actually like a good free agency like uh, um, year for Ridley, Marquise Brown, Gabe Davis, because a lot of these like attractive spots need a wide receiver who runs downfield really yeah. badly. Like they they have a good a good wide receiver. They're their number one who they use in a lot of places and they need somebody to go take some coverage. Yeah, there's a lot of teams like that that need outside receivers, need, need down the field wide receivers. I mean, I feel bad for the team that ends up with with Gabe rather than the other two, but um, 
but you know he's got a role. I mean, he definitely has a role in the league. Gabe's going to make some money this offseason. I tweeted oh, today, sure. like he's going to get way more money than people think he's actually going to in the free agency because of what he yeah. does for an NFL offense. It's exactly what happened with Mike Williams. He got like the most insane uh-huh. contract. It was I remember it so distinctly because the Cowboys traded Amari Cooper for like a bag of peanuts, and then the Chargers paid Mike Williams like the same amount of money they were going to have to pay Amari Cooper, and we were like, wait, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Um, and that was, I think that was when Christian Kirk got the bag too. So it was just a crazy yeah. year for the, for the signings. But yeah, Gabe, Gabe is absolutely going to get paid. I mean, even Marquez Valdez Scantling got crazy money to go to KC and that exactly. dude sucks. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, so for sure. I mean, he's going to get paid somewhere and he does like all jokes aside, he has a job that's like useful for, for NFL teams. It's just not right. something that scores. And he's pretty, and he's pretty good at that job of, of yeah. being the downfield threat. He just can't really do the rest of the stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so a couple of these guys we can zoom in on a little bit, starting with T. Higgins. My question is, it's always been this hypothetical of like, well, what if he was a wide receiver one, you know, somewhere else? Is he actually better off in Cincinnati or is he better off somewhere else? I, I hate to give this type of an answer, but I think it really truly depends on where he would go to be the number one. Like, I think I prefer him being the number two in Cincinnati than being the number one for the Panthers, you know? Yeah. Um, so it really truly does kind of depend. No, that's uh, a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, um, afford, afford, so, I hate to say it, but yeah. No, that's okay. Uh, so let's think about some. I I kind of figured it would go that route. It's such an open ended question. Like he could end up on a terrible team, um, but I I think there are some spots. So in Cincinnati, the benefit is obviously you play with Joe Burrow. That's cool. You know, great quarterback, um, and it's also high passing volume. They've been eighth and sixth in pass attempts per game the last two years. And outside of Jamar Chase, there's not really much competition otherwise so it's not like he's in this huge target vacuum like san francisco where like it's just surrounded by all pros it's not really that that type of situation but i think if he was to leave right if he went to let's say the cardinals and they didn't draft marvin harrison jr that to me that seems like an upgrade like he could really consolidate a huge target share there's not much competition he could be the de facto one but other than that you know where are some teams that you think that he could really recognize this upside that people seem to think that he has. Um, Just to put you on the spot, because I didn't yeah. ask that at a time. So the Chargers, in the event that uh, they do let Mike Williams go, I could see it being a possibility. I think Keenan Allen is always going to be that you know target hog, but mm-hmm. with him, the agent injuries, I think he is a player, and and, and we'll get to this a little bit later. That like he is one I'm watching that he could just like literally at any point it, it would not exist anymore to us. Uh, unfortunately, right. even though he's been, you know, continu- continuing to chug along. If like he is the, if T Higgins is the actual wide receiver one for the chargers, I think that's, that could be a good spot. Although, I mean, with Harbaugh there, uh, <laughs> we'll obviously there, yeah, we'll see how much that target volume, that passing volume actually stays. I think Harbaugh would yeah. be idiotic to run any sort of offense he's been running previously with Herbert, but Hey, Harbaugh is uh, who's to say, who's yeah, to say, but, w- but if he signed in, in Los Angeles, like the great, the good thing is that Keenan Allen's going to be out of the way a lot sooner than Jamar Chase is going to be out of the way. So even if you do yes. have to deal with a year, you know, another year of like kind of splitting the load, you would just assume that sooner than later, he would be the guy. I think similarly, you can make a similar case for the Jaguars. If they get rid of yes. Ridley, he could also take over there. I don't, I don't think Christian Kirk is all that imposing. Um, and I, and I guess the bucks, I don't know how you'd feel about him on the bucks. If the, if Evans leaves, I don't think that makes sense for them to like let Evans go and then sign Higgins. Like, I don't think that really makes yeah. any logical sense. Cause Higgins probably makes more money. If not, 
you know, or at least the same amount. Um, but hypothetically, what about the Chiefs? Yeah, that one I think might be the actual best, but I struggle with it. Um, because I, I just don't know if the Chiefs will ever make a move like that. Like, I think if we're living in just like theoretical fairyland, right? Um, yeah, like that one seems great. I just, I keep every time we talk about like Kansas City being the best landing spot, I just then go back in my head, like, I don't know if this will ever actually happen. But if it did happen, no. I do think it would be very good. Um, I think Rasheed Rice uh, will likely continue to do what he's been doing for them recently. I don't think like he's going to be affected much by this offseason just in general because the Chiefs have so much offense that can be given to a real player compared right. to all of the you know um, clowns that are after Rice and Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, uh, that I think like anyone can step in and not really affect those two. You know, um, so that probably is the actual best. Um, I agree with but, you. Though. It's not. It's not going to happen. Yeah, but I, I was just going to say, like, there, I, this is all like, there, I don't have anything to really back this up. What I'm about to say, but like, I, I've always just kind of felt like we keep dreaming of this with Patrick Mahomes. And like, even if it happens, we're not going to get what we think we're going to get because, like, w- whether it's he's splitting too many targets between Rice and Kelsey that it, we just don't get to get the what we think we'll get, that kind of thing. It's just, right. I, <laughs> that, that's purely in my brain narrative, all everything that just like, I, I don't think we'll ever get what we want from someone going to Kansas city. At this point. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get that vibe. I don't know. It feels like Mahomes just likes to spread the ball around. And maybe that's just because he hasn't had that guy that he wants to pepper with targets. And I guess he has peppered Kelsey with targets in the past, but yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just the way the offense, it's like the offense isn't designed to just like run it's, through. It's one just like, it's just receiver. a pessimist. I mean, not believing yeah. I'll ever actually get that. Yeah, I mean, you probably won't. If they ever draft a wide receiver, it'll be a bad one. If they sign anybody this offseason, it'll probably be Gabe Davis. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes plenty of sense. I mean, he scored four touchdowns on them in the championship game. I mean, they, they still have the film. Yeah, he, sure just, that... he just wants to go get a win in that game. Yeah, I don't blame him. <laughs> um, yeah, so Higgins, in most cases, probably better off staying in Cincinnati, which kind of caps him at that kind of high end wide receiver two, you know, maybe low end wide receiver one, depending on how touchdown shake out. Um, it's safe. You know, it's not that exciting, but his price in best ball is a lot more palatable this season than last season. So that's oh, definitely. something. Yeah. Man, I've, I'll drafted, take I've drafted a lot of T on underdog. Yeah. I'll take some mid fourth round T Higgins to just have the exact same role that we thought he was going to have last year. Yes, please. Uh, I'll take it. Um, Okay, so Mike Evans, we talked a little bit about his situation, but the thing about Evans that's interesting is that there's a bunch of these older wide receivers that are all sort of in that zone. In terms of like projectable scoring and age and past pedigree, but there's this huge like gap in how they're valued in startups. And so if you look at like Stefan Diggs, who's going, who had a terrible end of the season and nobody knows if the bills are going to throw next year or not. He's, he's going at the six Oh five, uh, as the 25th wide receiver off the board. Then you go to Devonte Adams at seven Oh four, 28th wide receiver. Then you have cup and Evans back to back eight Oh one, eight Oh two wide receiver, 29 wide receiver 30. Then you got to go almost two entire rounds to get to Keenan Allen, who, if my math is right, scored more points per game than all four of these players last year. Uh, and he's going at wide receiver 38. So these five guys, I'm not saying they're all the same. I'm not saying they're going to score the same, 
they definitely have some similarities. And I think it's interesting how widespread their ADP is. How do you sort through this group if you're like in a startup or if you're making a dynasty trade um, amongst these five? It was it's a really good question. And that's obviously like why you asked, because like I looked at my rankings and I mean, they are literally clumped together like the these players. I, I think there's one player in between them, like mixed in with them. And that's uh, George Pickens for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my takeaway is after looking at that ADP is, oh, well, like Keenan Allen's at a massive discount or like at least, you know, Cooper Cup, and Mike Evans are at discounts compared to Devonte Adams, and Stephon Dix. Basically, just I think they should all be much closer in ADP than they are. So, like, right. if I'm in a startup, I'm going to be just taking the last in that tier, which at this point looks to be Keenan Allen. And even though I was just saying, like, he's the one who worries me that, like, literally he could just fall off at any point. Boy, did he score a lot of fantasy points last year. <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, at that cost, I'll take the bet that it happens again, or at least he comes close to it again, you know? Yeah, I mean, it had his price. You don't really need much more than that. If you can get that one more season out of him. Everything on top of that's pretty much gravy at that point. And uh, and I guess my takeaway, when I wrote the question down, I didn't actually know exactly how they were gapped in ADP. But then when I saw it, I was like really surprised. I was surprised, first of all, that Diggs was first and by such a wide margin, just considering like how he screwed everybody over last year. I, w- I would have thought that the public was a little bit more reactionary than that. Um, but But I think Evan's... I think he's ranked fine among the wide receivers in this group, like li- like just linearly, but I, I don't think that they should be gapped quite so far apart. And so I'm, I'm totally cool to scoop up Evans at the 802. I think that's good value. Um, I definitely think Keenan's a stronger value, but I mean, I don't mind drafting two players that value. That's fine with me. I think I've got Adams at the top of this list, and I, and I think he's kind of like a little mini tier above I don't really know why I couldn't tell you why I think his expected points per game was sort of in another on another level relative to Evans and cup this past year and Diggs. Keenan was similar. I just, I have, I guess like you, like you, I have less concerns about Adam's ability dropping off right now. He is like a year and a half. Yeah, younger, I think. He still looked good. He's one of those ones where you could just say that offense and the QB play was just not very good at all. Uh, but yeah. he, he still looked good. Yeah, so I, I'd still like Evans there. I mean, Adams there. But then after that, I'm I'm totally cool picking up any of these guys at a discount. Um, I think that Cup is actually the one who kind of freaked me out a little bit last year. But I, I tend to think he was, I really think he was dealing with a nagging injury. Yeah. Which is part of it. And, and obviously, it's really easy to look at Puka emerging and be like, well, yeah, I mean, Cup's not the guy anymore. Puka's the guy, so he's just not going to get that volume. But there's enough passing volume to go around in the Rams offense that I think I think we could at least see him get back to like 16, 17 points per game, which is really what you're expecting from yeah, Evans agree. and Keenan as well. So, so I like all those guys at cost Diggs needs to take a little trip down the, <laughs> down the ADP board for me before I'm looking to click on him. Yeah. And just to rope one more name into the situation, Tyree kill goes at three Oh six wide receiver eight. Obviously. I mean, he he's the best bet out of this group to score you know, 19, 20 points. Do you think that type of a gap is warranted Com- compared to the other wide receivers? Yeah. Just cause like, I, I don't have like any doubts basically about him right. being able to produce the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I think that's right. I think that's right. I have him, I have him a wide receiver nine in my ranks and I have a pretty sizable gap as well before I get to any of these other names. It's just, 
crazy from where we came from last offseason when we had four, like all, basically all these guys except it was Diggs, Adams, Cup, and Hill were all going pretty close together in that yeah. like late third, fourth round range. And now Hill has just totally gapped himself. But I mean, it's warranted. He's the only one who had a difference making season out of any yeah. of them. And his situation is going to stay the same. But this this question and like this ADP looking at it illustrates something that I think is like true almost every single offseason when doing a startup and that like veteran wide receivers end up being a cheat code in those startups because you just reach this pocket of the draft where, like you said, you could you draft a couple of these wide receivers and your lineup looks so much better, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, just being able to get them at this cost. Yeah. And for me, I mean, mostly what I care about in Dynasty is how does my roster look in the offseason? Like, how do the screenshots <laughs> look? How much Twitter cloud am I earning? Um, but no, I mean, they're they're going to look good for you in the season, too, when you compare right, them exactly. to the like other you just, you, just, you just know that you can start off with, you know, taking the younger players to start, obviously, in Dynasty. But that yeah. you'll be able to, like, you can go very young and still end up having this roster that has a lot of points. Yeah. projectable points because of the wide receivers that fall into this area of the draft. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's going to be, I'm, I'm trying, I'm itching to get in a startup because I have all these takes about where the value is. And like, I need to just go capitalize on that and draft the team. I've been holding strong, but it, it's getting tough. Yeah. Uh, well, when you, when you break, uh, shoot me a DM and, and we'll, uh, we'll both go down together. We'll do. <laughs> all right. So moving on from Evans, uh, I would like to talk about if there are any wide receivers that you think are at risk of tumbling down the ranks when their team adds a free agent. I I don't know if there's a lot of these situations, honestly. Um, I've heard this about Rashi Rice. You already expressed you're not really concerned about Rice. I'm not really concerned about him either. I think there's there's plenty of room to add a name. Uh, I mean, if if they did bring in like an Evans or a Higgins, which again, I don't think they're going to do, that would hurt the ceiling for rice. Like any kind of hypothetical further development from what we just saw would probably be capped. But again, I don't think that's a likely outcome. And I don't think that it would really make me concerned about him. Um, it would just make him a little bit less exciting, but are there other players where there is some, maybe some concern that their value is inflated or is going to take a, a significant hit if this team adds a wide receiver. So, this one was a really tough one to answer. I thought, and, and my answer is kind of a non-answer because like, I don't think anybody that we care about really right. fits this necessarily. I try to think of things and like, sure, there are absolutely scenarios that could happen. You know, like if yeah. T Higgins signed to Baltimore, like that would make me feel worse about Zay flowers just because I don't think there's enough to go around. Uh, but like, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I don't think the Baltimore is going to go out and sign like a T Higgins. So it, it yeah, essentially my answer was that of the players we really care about, I don't think I'm too worried yeah. about any of them taking a massive, you know, hit because of a free agency signing. Sometimes I ask questions that I don't really have an answer for. Cause I just think maybe my guest will have like some <laughs> kind of secret sauce that they can, uh, that they can whip out for me. Yeah, but sorry, I think bud. you're, no, it's okay. I mean, I think you're right. I think that, the market honestly just kind of understands like which wide receivers are good and which right. ones aren't. And the wide receivers that are good are going to be fine regardless. And the ones that aren't are probably not going to be fine. So there's just not a lot of good answers out there. I definitely did hear though, multiple, I've heard multiple times that 
Nico Collins and Tank Dell are overvalued because the Texans have all this like cap room and they could sign T Higgins or they could draft another wide receiver. Um, I've got no concern about these two, these two guys. They're both like legit, incredible talents. My, like my only concern would just be that another wide receiver would just make the whole thing crowded and it would be like San Francisco or something and that all their ceilings would be capped. But I have no concerns that those two guys are going to get like alpha by somebody else. Cause I think they're both incredible. Yeah, I, I basically agree. I, I'm not too worried about either of them, especially just cause like CJ Stroud is so good. Bobby Slowick is so good as an OC. Like it just doesn't worry me too much. I will go the other route, which is if Evans and Ridley leave uh, their respective teams. I do think that there's a good chance that Chris Godwin and Christian Kirk would both be overvalued uh, as like the de facto wide receiver yeah, ones on the team. I, I don't view them as that type of a player. Like I, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care who's on the depth chart. They just are capped in terms of what they can consolidate around them. Um, they're just like limited skill sets as players. So if people are going to steam them up, uh, as like the wide receiver ones on their team. I think I'd fade that. I, I think they'll probably address it in the draft or it just won't be as exciting as it seems in your head. That might be more of like a best ball take though, than a dynasty take. I don't know how much their prices would actually get steamed up in dynasty, but just something I thought of that, that could happen. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, maybe that what the, the another take of that takeaway from that is just if those players are on your rosters, if this scenario is happening, like, you should be seeing what you can get for them. Yeah. Like sell them for like legit, like a future first, or, you know, I would, I would love to do that. Um, just move the kind of replaceable production into something that's going to accumulate value. You might be able to pull that off just like right away. Um, somebody gets excited about a, a, an opening in the offense. We're wrapping it up here with the free agents. We didn't talk much about like Curtis Samuel, Tyler Boyd. I, I mean, they're not that relevant. Like they're not going to be guys you want to play in dynasty. They, they make for interesting late round best ball picks, but they're not really guys you want to play in your start 10 start 11 managed leagues. Yeah. I mean, like if you can get Curtis Samuel literally thrown in for free in a deal, like I'm for it just cause like, I think he's a good NFL player and like, he'll have useful weeks over the course of the season, but like not a player. I care if he's on my roster right. or not just one of those like, Oh, I have a free roster spot. He's worth more than a roster spot. Uh, so if getting yeah. thrown in is fine. Well, when Kansas City signs him, you know, well, there then you go. it's going to be off to the races. Maybe he goes back to Carolina and he be- finally becomes the wide receiver. That's actually, that actually makes a lot <laughs> of sense. Oh my, For real, though, going back to Carolina makes a ton of sense to go play in the slot and take over for Adam Thielen there. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to see it. So, yeah, I mean, you can get Curtis Samuel thrown into a trade. Why not? He's a fun player. He was better than Jahan Dotson last year. So, facts. There. <laughs> <laughs> that would hurt. Uh, all right. As we wrap things up here, I would love to know, you know, pie in the sky, perfect dream scenario. Other than T. Higgins on the Chiefs, what is like a perfect wide receiver team pairing that you'd like to see? Okay. Um, I'm going to throw in another name that's not actually on this list, but it will go along with marquise brown and that's darnell mooney because i think they're similar players at this point and i think they both make a ton of sense for the chiefs as having actual speed to take the top off of defense while actually being a threat to catch the ball and make a play in the offense i think it may make a ton of sense and not just because of how they fit for the team but because that is a perfect signing for us to be like rasheed rice to the moon baby (laughs) dude you stole it right (laughs) off of my sheet 
Marquise Brown to the Chiefs. That was my that was my other one. I didn't have Darnell Mooney on my radar. I forgot to put him on the list. Um, but well, yes, no one really cares about Mooney at this that's point. Great, <laughs> I mean, I I do not care about Mooney at this point. But I I get what you're saying. Mooney actually seems more their speed in terms of like the caliber of wide receiver and like the money they'd pay. Um, but man, Marquise Brown, just just like low key enough of a player that maybe they could they could actually go ahead and sign him. And he would just be by far the best outside threat they've had since Tyreek Hill. It would be, Absolutely. I think that would be really exciting. We could actually see Patrick Mahomes' average depth of a touchdown rise. He wouldn't be bottom <laughs> of the league. It's it is definitely the uh, off season right now when you see stuff like that. Yeah, I love that stupid list. If you, if you haven't seen the list, there's this list going around of like the average depth of touchdown passes, and Mahomes is dead last. And it, you know that it's a really important metric because at the top you have Tyrod Taylor and uh zach wilson and kenny pickett and so you know it's a good metric when those guys are at the top and mahomes is at the bottom but yeah a lot of there's there's this rule for any qb charting and that's if if mahomes doesn't look really really good in it then the chart is trash like you should just not anything that you do to try and show quarterbacks if mahomes isn't at the top of it then it's bad yeah no he's clearly just like a game manager and uh you know he's a check down artist or whatever he's not actually good uh, no, it's, it's, it's absurd, but Marquise Brown of the chiefs would be exciting. And we'd actually probably see some more deep shots because somebody would be there with hands to catch them. Uh, my other one was Calvin Ridley to the Cowboys, which I already said, did you have any other ones for us here? Not really. Those are good. Those are good. Off the page. Like and, when and you said Curtis, Calvin Ridley to yeah. the Cowboys, I thought that made a lot of sense. Like you think, like you, like I said, when we talked about it, Cowboys just didn't even register for me at first, but they are a, definitely a spot and a player like Calvin Ridley makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I guess Brandon cooks is still under contract right now. I didn't see him on the list of free agents. So I guess he's under contract, but I, I assume it's probably flexible. They could, they could, you know, lower his cap yeah. or they could release him or something. I'm not really sure. It makes sense to upgrade cooks into you know, yeah. something like Calvin Ridley, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right. Well, that's the free agent wide receiver class. It's not as deep as the running back class, but like I said, a lot of interesting names, a lot of them probably staying put teams don't really like letting high end wide receivers go without a fight. But I do think we're going to see some pretty interesting names in new, some faces in new places uh, starting March 11th. So that's when the, the tampering window opens a couple weeks from now. Very interesting to see how it shakes out. Wyatt, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk wide receivers and running backs with me. Little Trevor Lawrence debate. It's been really, really fun. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? And can you let them know where they can find your work and and what you're going to be up to? Uh, First off, just thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. I always appreciate it. And I'm thankful for us being able to have these conversations because I think you're really sharp. And I think that I learned something when I talked to you. Um, and that would be my final thoughts is that everyone should be listening to Paul because Paul is smart and he knows <laughs> what he's talking about. Um, if you want to listen to more of me, you can subscribe to the JWB Fancy Football YouTube channel. That's the best way to support me. And as Paul said in the beginning, if you want to, you know, see me occasionally say fancy analysis on Twitter, uh, YP underscore FF. Well, thank you so much for saying all that. I didn't even I didn't even pay him, guys. I didn't pay him to say any of that. Um, definitely appreciate having you on the show. You're one of my f- favorite people to interact with, you know, on Twitter and uh, when I happen to see you in the underdog lobbies. So it's been great. You guys out there, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, just follow the show on Spotify or, or wherever you're listening so you don't miss any future episodes. I'm dropping a new one every single Thursday for the foreseeable future. 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Patterson FF and shout out to Billy at Willie Beeman DFF for producing the show. He does a great job as well, cutting out all of our gaffes and, uh, and coughing fits, you know, that, that happen to come up from time to time. So thanks so much for listening, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.